0: A group of evangelists worked for years in Ethiopia without seeing many results. Finally, a colleague visited and challenged them. He said, don't just see the Muslims in your community as a mission field, see them as people. Dan Brockie tells us what happened when
1: this colleague took them to a Muslim-owned restaurant. He marches them down the street, and he walks in and says, Hi, we're Christians, and we'd like to experience some Muslim hospitality. And the proprietor opened up his restaurant, and they all sat down, and all these evangelists, you know, Ethiopian evangelists, sitting here in this Muslim restaurant, and they begin to t- talk about their families and their kids and the struggles they have in life, and a switch turned in the minds of these Ethiopian Christian evangelists and uh, they realize these are people, and they face the same kind of challenges we face. And once that happened, it began to change, and they began to see thousands. And over the last five years, they've seen like 20, I think he said 29,000 Muslims come to Christ. Jesus never promised his followers an easy path. In fact, he told his disciples that the world would hate them. He sent them out as sheep among wolves. Jesus' words came true in the life of the apostles, and they're still coming true today in the lives of his followers around the world. Join host Todd Nettleton as we hear their inspiring stories and learn how we can help, right now on The Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network.
0: Welcome again to The Voice of the Martyrs Radio. My name is Todd Nettleton, and we are in our studio in Bartlesville, Oklahoma. We're gonna talk this week with Dan Brocky. Dan is the president of Bethany International. You can learn more about them at bethanyinternational.org. Their tagline is, Taking the Church to Where It Is Not and Helping Others Do the Same. That that kind of makes me excited. Dan, welcome to Voice of the Martyrs Radio. Hey, good to be with you, Todd. I know the goal of Bethany to reach 500 unreached, unengaged people groups by 2020. Right. Let's talk first about what, what does it mean to be unreached and unengaged? Who, who are those people groups?
1: Well, the traditional definition of an unreached people group is less than 2% Christian, okay. evangelical Christian. If you look, I think there's 17,000 total people groups in the world today. 6,900 or 7,000 would be considered unreached. But of those, there are, there are quite a number, a couple thousand, are probably less than half percent Christian Wow. Okay, so very few Christians, very few workers. Unengaged would say there are no known workers. And I think in between that, there's an underengaged. Yeah. There are just so few workers. (laughs) There's one worker to reach
0: 12 million people. Exactly.
1: And, And so, you know, I think we're really dealing with, okay, there's a justice issue here. There are people groups that have just not had the gospel ever brought to them. So let's do something about that. And
0: one of the challenges is and I'm very hesitant to criticize the broader American church, but a lot of times in our American churches, we're sending missionaries where missionaries have been going for the last hundred years. We're hearing about missionaries that are working in places where the people have been reached. The thing I think about is these unengaged, unreached people, they could live their whole lives and never hear the name of Jesus Christ.
1: Right. I mean, there are places that we have people going where it's the first time yeah. they've ever been exposed in any way
0: to the gospel. I think of one of our frontline workers that we support went to minister, and he started talking about Jesus, and the, the people's response was, oh, yeah, what village does that guy live in? Yeah. I mean, you're talking about people who they have no clue.
1: Right. One, one of our guys went to a village in a remote area, really not quite even knowing how to present the gospel in a very new place. And so he, he comes, he presents— uh, it's translated into the language. This room was filled with people. In the back was a really old man. When he finally said, if you would like to respond to Jesus and, and invite him into your world, you know we're here to help you on that. And the, the whole room, nothing happened. And all of a sudden, the, the old man from the back walks to the front. And he said, I have a question for you. If this is true... And Jesus is who you say he is. Why did it take you 2,000 years to get here? Wow.
0: How do you train people? How do you get them ready to go into a place knowing, okay, yeah, they're probably not going to like you. They could beat you. They could arrest you. Yeah, actually, you could die. But go forward and share the gospel. How do, you, how do you
1: get people ready to go through that? Well, part of that is training. I mean, it's not that we can answer every question, but how do you think when you get into that situation? Uh, One of our partners that specifically is raising up Muslim background believers, so Muslims who have come to Christ, and now as coming out of that background are going to reach others, there was a mindset they had that I I came out of that Muslim background, and they view me as an enemy, and they were initially viewing their Muslim families and, and communities as an enemy. And they don't like me, and I don't like them. <laughs> I don't like them, and they're putting me at risk. And and actually, the, they had to change their thinking. They had to, to realize, you know what? These are still people that Jesus loves. And so I, I can't come back to them and be combative with them. I've got to find a way to build relationship. If I am confronted, how am I going to respond? You know, what is my response going to be? How, how do I deal with governments? Well, let's say this escalates. And so actually— Changing that mindset, taking out the enemy factor and putting in there, these are people that I need to woo, I need to win these folks, yeah. you know. Well, and I think, like
0: you said, the mindset of instead of they are the enemy, they're being held captive by the enemy,
1: Yeah. Really.
0: the real enemy. Yep. We need to go and rescue them. We need right. to set to show them the way to freedom. Yep. Bethany has... Set the goal of 500 of these unreached, unengaged right. groups right. by 2020. Where are you at in that process, okay. and okay. what's the next steps?
1: We started off a process of adoption. We identified that we were already working among around 270 of, of these unreached people groups in this kind of category. And that we needed to adopt, first stage, we needed to identify, research, and adopt another 230. I just, just got back from North India. And we are at an adoption point where I think 490 people groups have been adopted now. Cool. Isn't that cool? That's awesome. I mean, the the group in North (laughs) India adopted like 70. I mean, it just was amazing. God really was stirring in their hearts. And so that's first step is adoption. Then the next step is sending initial workers. So if you take the Engage 500 goal, which is what we call this, engaging 500 people groups by 2020, that first step, is adopting the second step mm-hmm. is getting workers or workers placed among them so that's the stage two of seven stages okay which is really to take that see early believers see a church established to so see that church discipled to see them become a multiplying church among their own people and then to see ultimately see them become a mission sending church where they're reaching out beyond right. themselves. So this isn't about just a short-term engagement. Right. That's we, not
0: all going to be done by 2020. <laughs> that's not all going to be done by
1: 2020. But we are we are seeing tremendous progress now in these next three years, basically wow. 18, 19, 20, to see workers sent. That's awesome. When you're in India
0: with the church leaders there yeah. and you see their excitement and you see their passion to go out and and understand India is a hostile nation. These, mm-hmm. these are persecuted Christians mm-hmm. that are saying, yeah, we want to go and reach. We want to go to these hard places.
1: What does that do for you? Oh, it is so humbling. I mean, first of all, it's just humbling. We were with a guy named Edward, and uh, he and his family hosted us in their home. We had lunch with them. And then he took me to his school, which was a small apartment. Uh, he's got a family of four. And uh, they live on four hundred dollars a month. Then he runs a school besides, and he's going to put twelve people in a room that would be lucky to seat six. I mean, he's going to—he's training students. Wow. He's targeted on peoples. He's—you know—here's what I'm doing this year. Next year, I'm—he's targeting four on reach people. So here's—you know—and you see the simplicity of how they're approaching it, and—and and it's humbling. Literally, like I, I was telling this to a friend, and they say I spend four hundred dollars before I get up for breakfast. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I mean, that's an expensive breakfast. <laughs> yeah, but I was thinking you must be doing a lot of Amazon shopping here before before you get, get to breakfast. But but I mean the 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 comparison is is just hard to even imagine, right? So you know that's that's one of them. The other is I met a man who's ninety three, and we're working with his son, and actually we have. Um, Bethany Global University interns in that region, and they're working together with that national leader to do church planning. They'll be working with uh, kids with disabilities this week. They're starting that part of their service there, and of course, they're learning Hindi. They're they're learning local language. They're doing all of that. But you know, here's this man that's spent time in prison for his faith. You know, stayed true to that. His son has embraced that. Now he's a grown man with his own family. And, and, you know, and you see that commitment that's over generations of commitment of these guys that have suffered. Yeah. And it just changes your perspective. Yeah. You know, we go back to our our world here in the U.S. And it's, it's just we just don't see that every day. We don't have to face that.
0: I think about legacy.
1: You know, yes. I mean, the legacy yes. of
0: that man. But I also when I come back from a trip like that, it's like, OK, what am I doing with what I have? Right. Because I have so much. Right how how is this making an impact for the kingdom what what is you know am i just collecting things to be comfortable or is everything focused on okay what's going to build the kingdom how's that going to how's that going to advance the gospel
1: well i think like a program like you're doing right here is one way to kind of just bring a different perspective because we're sitting here in the west and it's hard for us to even imagine there are people that would not have access to the gospel yeah you know we it's just you know I, I've talked to people in the, in North American churches and they say what you mean there are thousands of people groups that have never heard of Christ I mean that that just doesn't even fit in anything that we know so you know to be challenged at that point is yeah. you, you, we can't just sit here and and, um, and do nothing and pretend it doesn't exist you know
0: talk about some of the success stories where you've seen just mm-hmm. amazing God
1: things and and the church just takes off yeah one one is uh, in Ethiopia. And um, and it's not without cost, uh, clearly. But uh, we started working with them back, actually, in the, late, uh, in the late 1990s. They were training evangelists to reach Muslims, and they were really having a hard time doing it. So one of our guys came in and met with the team. And he finally said, all these evangelists, Ethiopian evangelists, he says, have you ever experienced Muslim hospitality? And they said, no. Have you ever been to a Muslim restaurant? No. So, okay, we're going down the street. So this guy's kind of a crazy man. And he, he marches him down the street and he walks in and says, Hi, we're Christians and we'd like to experience some Muslim hospitality. And the proprietor opened up his restaurant yeah. and they all sat down and all these evangelists, you know, Ethiopian evangelists, sitting here in this Muslim restaurant, and they begin to talk talk about their families and their kids and the struggles they have in life. And a switch turned in the minds of these Ethiopian Christian evangelists and uh, they realized these are people and they face the same kind of challenges we face and once that happened it began to change and they began to see thousand and over the last five years they have seen like 20 I think he said 29,000 Wow Muslims come to Christ and uh, you know amazing interesting we did a just a short documentary on on that on that recent move and as they were driving back uh, to the airport our contact there got a a call, and it was a word that one of their evangelists, a Muslim background believer, his son had just been poisoned. Wow! Had come back from college, and um, he went out with his friends, and 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 as a retribution, I mean, they were trying to kill the father, and they ended up killing the son. You know, another one is this, is in northern Ghana, where. You know, ministering in, digging wells, addressing health needs, addressing school year uh, over about a 10-year period, and then uh, actually a door opening up to plant churches. And now literally over the last five months, about 3,000 Muslims, background, uh, tribal peoples have come to Christ. In five months? In five months. And and and, and that door is opening up. It's just an amazing thing. So you see those as one guy. They're a little like wildfires. Uh-huh. You know, you see something begin to happen. And so to sit, I mean, in a sense, to to be in the stands and get to kind of watch that happen is really, really uh, amazing.
0: I I like the term wildfire because it warms my heart <laughs> when yeah. I hear those stories. I'm like,
1: yes, that is awesome. What God is
0: doing and the fact that He allows us to be a part of it. Right. Right. Uh, and, and to work alongside and to get to see what he does. What are some of the things that you do to prepare the workers that you're sending out? What's, what's that process look like?
1: Yeah, well, it, it, it depends on what the context, obviously. So North American, you know, there's Bible training, there's cross-cultural training, you know, understanding the missions, the bigger missions movement. But then for us, a big key is putting them into context. So at Bethany Global University here in the U.S., they do a couple years on campus, and then they do almost two years overseas. They learn language. They learn culture. They're in ministry. They're involved hands-on, and it's transformative. I mean, it really changes their perspective because you're dealing with a North American that really is getting a very different picture of the world and then how to serve into it. But when you go into a a different country and you're training nationals, which there are probably 3,000 nationals being trained right now, in 300 schools those those are you know basics of of sometimes it really is you need to make sure the doctrine is right you know yes <laughs> uh, and then and then but teaching the basics of going cross culturally even if it's just a nearby tribe or it's a nearby people group you still have to apply those principles and then really understanding what it means to you know bring somebody to Christ see a church established raise that up and disciple it and then to keep that mission view because it's so often the church becomes just a thing in itself and it loses the multiplication and the church planting component of it. So teaching those kinds of things, but again, helping them do it while they're training, not just talk about it. And that becomes key all over. So sometimes it's a month on, a month off. Sometimes it's weekends. Sometimes it's straight out for several months to, to train them and send them but it's very targeted towards here's what we want to, a people group we want to reach and here's what we need to do to reach them.
0: We're talking today on Voice of the Martyrs radio with Dan Brockie. He is the president of Bethany International. Uh, their motto is taking the church to where it is not and helping others do the same. Dan, let's talk about that second part, helping others. Talk about partnership. And Bethany, and I know here at Voice of the Martyrs, we have partnered together and are partnering together. But talk a little bit about how Bethany partners with others to advance the kingdom.
1: I have a picture kind of out of the book of Acts of Barnabas. And Barnabas would give funds. He sold some land, gave funds. He uh, was sent at some point to do some teaching where God was moving in a church. And so he went there. Uh, Then he notices Paul, the apostle, at that point called Saul, puts his arm around him, brings him to Jerusalem, advocates him, goes on the first missionary trip with him, and then partway through that, he steps back and it becomes Paul and Barnabas rather than Barnabas and Saul, and then at another point, then he picks up John Mark and does it again, okay? And, And so you see this helping, giving, advocating, stepping back. So for us, that's a bit of a model for how this works. Come That's along, a great model. <laughs> come, come alongside of a of a worker on the ground or a, a, somebody who has a vision for missions, and then come along saying, "How do we help? What's your vision? What has God given you to do? Okay, how can we help you in that?" So it, it's a very practical thing. And 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 again, we uh, we made a decision years ago to not put our name on workers, so we're not branding Bethany Missionaries. So it's we're just coming alongside to kind of walk with them through that process. What's been interesting as the Engage Five Hundred goal and vision has come, it's really brought a lot of unifying of a lot of different ministries to say, hey, we let's do this together. Yeah. Okay. And and so sometimes it's coming in and just encouraging vision and then, you know, now the stages of development that I mentioned earlier, just to walk with them through that stages. Those stages, how can we help? Helping them get a plan and then and then helping to finance that.
0: I love the sense of unity. And especially as we talk about unreached, unengaged people groups, that's all of our responsibility. Yes. But I don't need to go to one that somebody is already going to right. when there's, right. you know, hundreds of others right. that nobody's going to. Right. So I like that sense of, of unity and partnership. Dan, one of my hopes for VOM radio is that God uses it to capture people's hearts for ministry and even yeah. that that through our conversation and the conversations we have God speaks to people and says yeah I want you to be one of those people that goes right, right. so let's say that I'm 18 19 20 mm-hmm. 21 22 i sense God is kind of working on me like yeah. hey this is this is what i have for you talk to that person and just kind of advise them coach them on how they should be thinking how they should be praying and maybe what some of the next steps
1: are for them yeah Sometimes people kind of scratch the itch of missions and a lot of short-term teams, which is a great way to get exposed. Uh, It's a great way to have your eyes opened and to really sense God's heart. But short-term trips won't bring the long-term transformation. So I encourage if somebody's had a calling into missions, uh, it's worth it in preparing. And so for us, Bethany Global University is is a great way. We have 300 students who Are involved in being prepared to go for mission as missionaries. So they're, you know, they do two years on a campus, they get deep into the word, get discipleship, they get really uh, encouragement around mission, and then they get to go someplace in the world for their junior, senior year and learn language, learn people, learn culture, do all of that, and wow. be involved in ministry and get a degree, I, an accredited degree at the end of it. That is actually very important because now more and more countries are expecting people who come into them to be adequately trained, yeah. not to go as missionaries, but to contribute right. into their culture. Right. Right? We, we feel like, you know, that view for a long-term impact is critical. So that's one thing. They could check out Bethany Global University, and a lot of people are.
0: That would be a great next step. And, and again— one of my hopes that that's part of my heart for VOM Radio is that God uses these stories, and you know we interview Christians who have paid incredible prices to share the gospel, uh, and I hope that God uses that to to call others to follow in their footsteps and to move forward. As we kind of finish up today, I want us to pray, and we always we always want to equip our listeners to pray. You have you've just been to Northern India. You have met workers around the world who are on the front lines taking the gospel to places where it's not. Yep. How do you pray for them as a way of kind of helping us, coach us on how we can pray for them
1: as well? Well, we know that wherever a Christian worker is going, the fundamental prayer behind that is, God, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Do your will. Okay, that's the first place. There's the prayer for daily bread, provision. So I think about an Edward, uh, you know, provision is a real deal for him every day. Absolutely. You know, and there are lots of those folks out there. There are workers literally working in villages and places of, of the world. that are doing it on $15, $20 a month. So daily bread is very real. Another one, though, that I, 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 I jump to is the last part of the Lord's Prayer is deliver us from the power of the evil one. And they're going into hostile environments. They're going into places that are not friendly to the gospel. That's why they still are right.
0: unreached. And, and Satan is not going to
1: give up his territory without a fight. Absolutely. So. Yep, yep. And there's a, it's a battle, and it's a conflict. And so, you know, I, I would say those one is just the advance of the kingdom. You know, God's provision for people on the ground and then protection over them. Um, those are three big areas of prayer that you can do over and over again for workers all over the world. And and the other one is Matthew nine thirty five. pray the Lord of the harvest to send out workers. So lots more of them. We need more. We need
0: more. We've been talking today on Voice of the Martyrs Radio with Dan Brocky. He is the president of Bethany International. Again, their website is bethanyinternational.org. We will also link you there from vomradio.net. As always, you can listen to this interview again if you joined us late at vomradio.net. We have every episode of VOM Radio posted there, and I hope you will dig in and listen to some of those. We have interviewed some of those frontline gospel workers that have shared the gospel in these hard places, and some of them have paid incredible prices for following Christ and for spreading his his gospel there. So go to vomradio.net, listen to some of those go to bethanyinternational.org and learn more about Bethany International. Maybe if the the university there is uh, something that interests you, find out more about that. Dan, it's been great to have this conversation. I hope we've equipped our listeners to pray and to think about what God is doing around the world. So thanks for me and our guest this week on Voice of the Martyrs Radio. Thank you, Todd. It's been great to be with you. know it's been almost exactly a year since VOM staff member Peter Yasek walked out of a Sudanese prison. I hope you'll come back next week here on VOM Radio as we sit down with Peter and talk about the last 12 months, some of the lessons that God continues to teach him from his 14 months in prison, and what he's doing now to continue serving the Lord and serving our persecuted brothers and sisters. Many of you prayed for Peter while he was in prison. You heard him share his story on his release here on VOM Radio. You won't want to miss this opportunity next week to catch up and hear the latest on how he's doing
1: right here on the Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network.